This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we talk about what it's like to be a Christian Monday through Saturday, to live as a person of faith and a culture against faith. Hey, y'all, what's going on? Um, how you doing, man? I'm good. It's a good, good week, busy week, but uh, been very productive and uh, uh, looking forward to uh, the upcoming season. It was the high today was 70. Yeah, man, it was nice. It was nice and chilly. It was a bit rainy. Yeah, when but, it didn't rain, it was uh, nice. It was nice. Um, so for the last um, several weeks, we've been talking about politics. We started with, um, can you be a Democrat and a Christian? Well, no, we actually started with, um, was Jesus a Republican well, that's or a right. Democrat? That's right. Um, and then we moved into, can you be a Christian and a Democrat? And then we talked about, can you be a Christian and a Republican? Yep. And uh, we know that these have been um, interesting um, and and sensitive for some people. Um, Elevated anxiety levels <laughs> for some people. Um, we've had lots of comments uh, about it um, lately. Um, we have, well, and we knew we would. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Uh, Messing with people's politics is worse than messing with Christians' music. (laughs) It's like, I mean, that's the cardinal sin, man. You don't talk about people's politics. No, you don't. And and we took a very deconstructive approach to politics. Uh, I mean, we never called it that, but that's what it was. When you you build up a wall just to tear it down, that's deconstruction. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that in that approach to how we outlined this content, that people would come to a place where they go, dude, what the heck, man? I thought you were on my side. I thought you were my friend. Why are you talking about my party that way? I'm like, dude, I talked about the other party that way too. Yeah. Like, it's not, it, it wasn't about you. <laughs> it was about just this kind of worldview that we have about politics. And yeah. so we have, uh, we've gotten a lot of comments and, uh, I actually think, you know, whether you guys know it or not, if you're just, uh, you know, looking to rant or whatever it is, that's fine. But we learn a lot about you from your comments, mm-hmm. the, what you say and how you say it, uh, reveal a whole lot to us about where you're at in life. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's true. It's true. So, but, but the deal is now that we get to bring it all together. What does this mean? What does this look like? How do we take all of this information and actually be a person of Christ actively in politics? How do we reconstruct our political pieces that we've bashed over the last three weeks? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think that's important if... If you've missed the point of it all, my point is to show you that um, elements of God and the kingdom are present in both parties. Because mm-hmm. when we look at the Bible as prescriptive, meaning that we take individual passages and have those as prescriptive or uh, overlays for society. Yeah then both parties have elements that meet the pre prescriptive calls of God. Yeah. But neither party embodies the whole full, full fulfillment and fullness of the kingdom of God. Right. And so how do we do it? 
you know, one thing that we said from the beginning was that I don't care where you end up politically. No. I'm not interested in trying to show you which party I think you should be aligned with. I'm more interested in you being a Christian who aligns with a political party rather than being aligned with a political party who's a Christian. Right. I want your primary identity to be uh, in line with Philippians 3.20, that our citizenship is in heaven. Like, we are Christians first. And we are awaiting Jesus. We are right. awaiting the restoration of heaven to earth. Amen. That, and I think that that is the most important part. Yeah. Right. Um, we are awaiting Jesus's restoration. Yeah. Um, and I, we are not aligned to, should not be aligned to President Trump or Joe Biden. Right. Or any other or candidate. Or any other candidate. Yeah. We should be aligned with Christ. Yeah, for sure. And I think um, something that often happens is when we when we use that and we talk about awaiting, awaiting a savior. Um, that's not a passive word. Yeah, it's not a passive verb. Um, that we are in a position and an act, action is being done to us, but rather is active verb. We are actively doing something while waiting for yeah. a savior. And so what what we can't do is we can't go to the other end, which is escapism. Mm-hmm. We're just here letting this world go to hell in a handbasket, passively waiting on God to come and rapture us all away. Like rapture theology is escapism theology. It's that God doesn't care about this world anymore. So he's going to take all the people that he does care about, let this world go to absolutely nothing and then come back and fix it. Yeah. Like, no, that's not the theology we should have. Yeah. Even if G- God and Jesus do decide to come back in a rapture, which I'm not convinced that they will, um, it won't be in an escapism method that we think about because escapism is inconsistent with the biblical narrative. Mm. Not just the narrative of the New Testament, but the biblical narrative. And so... How should we as Christians approach politics? Well, I can tell you this. Uh, First and foremost, I want you to identify as a Christian rather than your political party. And I can typically tell which one you align with because if you spend more time talking about policies and candidates than you do telling people about Jesus and the gospel, you are politically aligned before kingdom aligned. Yeah. Uh, If you spend more time reading news, political updates, watching your Fox News or NBC or MSNBC or whatever it is. CNN, whatever it is. If you spend more time watching that than reading the Bible or talking to people about Jesus, you're probably politically aligned rather than kingdom aligned. Um, And those should be inverted. Um, You should be a citizen of the kingdom of God before you are aligned with anything else. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, most of the time we're not. Most of the time we're not. Yeah. Our political minds dictate everything we do. Yeah. For, for a lot of people, at least. Yeah. And so first and foremost, reconstructing your politics is acknowledging 
that you need to be a citizen of the kingdom first. And so what does that mean to be a citizen of the kingdom first? It means to turn off Fox News. It means to turn off MSNBC. It means to ask Jesus what he wants present in the world. It means to read your Bible. It means to seek counsel from men and women of faith that you respect and to actually listen to them. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the things that you should be doing there is going and asking, what does scripture say about X policy? Is there something in scripture about X policy? If not, is there some way that we can interpret scripture? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think even that we have to be careful because we have to remember that scripture, um, scripture is a document written for us, Yeah, but it was not written to us. It's true. And so some things that are prescribed to an ancient world in an Eastern context, um, aren't applicable to a contemporary world, a modern world with a Western context. Um, I don't think Paul ever imagined that democracy would work. Right. Plato tried it. It screwed up. Mm-hmm. It didn't work. And it became a laughing stock for yeah. centuries. Yeah. Uh, I don't imagine that Paul ever thought that there would be, be anything other than an empire. Yeah. The, so what should we be doing when we ask counsel then? Um, we should be asking for what do we see in the character of God? Mm. What do we see that's in the gospel that mm. reflects or transcends time periods? Mm. Um, and so I, th- I do think there is one text that we can look at that is, I think, prescriptive, mm-hmm. that it is something that we should all do. This is in Romans 13. Um, and Romans 13, one says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there's no authority except from God. And those authorities that exist have been instituted by God. Hmm. So if we truly believe that God is author and sustainer of the universe and that he is in control at some level. Mm. So maybe not above us as a puppet master, but at least setting the boundaries of the stage setting. Yeah. Um, and he also wrote the script. So he at least knows how the end of the story plays out. Right. So anything that happens within those boundaries, uh, metaphorically speaking, God has ordained even just his knowledge of it happening and lack of intervention to prevent it means that he ordained it Yeah, um, to some extent. And so um, whoever gets in office, like God's not shocked that they got there. Like, I don't, I don't think that God looked back at election night and went, oh, my God, I can't believe it's Donald. <laughs> I totally thought it was going to be Hillary. So yeah. did 51% of the other people in the nation. Yeah. But no. Like, God's not shocked that it was Donald. And God's not going to be shocked with whoever it is in November. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I do think that there's another element here that is um, to be subject to the governing authority. So, like, also, anarchy is not the way to go about it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> all the people are like, oh, I'm upping and moving to Canada or moving to Australia. First of all, I don't know why anyone won't live in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's joking. I am joking. Uh, that's how I met your mother jokes. If you yeah. if you don't know, that's my favorite TV show. We like to pick on Canada. Not because we dislike Canada, just because it's fun to pick on Canada. <laughs> yeah, but you know, the, the other funny thing about that is, like, if you study American history, especially like in its early days, uh, anytime America got backed in a corner, it was like, just like they flipped the switch, like let's invade Canada. Like that was the answer to everything, and we always got our butt whooped. Like Canada handed it to us every single time we took that tactic. And Canada is a much healthier country than we are. Oh yeah, well they're at least not divided at the level that we are. Yeah, but anyways, so being subject to governing authorities, like yeah, are should we all be subject to? Like if, if an, if a, another contemporary Hitler showed up, like, okay, probably not like Mm -hmm. that's, but we don't have, like, I don't care how much you like or dislike a candidate. Neither one of them are fascist and like leading us to Nazism. No. Like, so no uprisings, like be subject, receive the outcome. God's not shocked by what happens. Yes. And it doesn't mean that he's not saddened by things that happen, um, but it does mean that he's not shocked, right? Um, it does mean that his heart doesn't. It it doesn't mean that his heart doesn't hurt. Yeah, for sure. We see um, oftentimes that God is grieved. Yes, by the things that happen in the world. Yeah. So I think that's important to remember that God is not some angry dude up in the sky. You know, plotting world domination. Right. He he is loving and caring. Yeah. But, um, anyways. Yeah, I'm gonna skip ahead here just for time's sake on this Romans 13 passage, but uh, you could go back and and read it all for yourself. But I'm gonna skip ahead here to verse six, which says, "For the same reason, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants, busy with this very thing." Pay to all what is due them, taxes to whom taxes are due, revenue to whom revenue is due, respect to whom respect is due, honor to whom honor is due. That's really important um, because if if you were going to oversimplify something about these two parties, it's the tax rates that they come up with. Yeah. So it's like, okay, do we not know that God is our provider? Like, does God not care for us more than the sparrow? Yeah. According to the parable of Jesus. Yeah. Um, yes. Mm. Not to mention that, like, so much of the world wealth is held in our country. I mean, if you live comfortably in America, you are wealthy according to the world standards. I mean, we still have third world countries. People don't have healthy running water. Ethiopia, like, those people truly struggle. Yeah. If you have running water, if you eat one meal a day, you are a wealthy person in the world. You are doing all right. Yeah. Like social media has made this even worse for us and media in general 
because we see the lives of the uber wealthy. We see the lives of people doing things we can't do. And we always want the thing we can't have. But like, I don't see anyone following second and third world country people on social media. I don't see anyone trying to live to their standard of life. Uh, And we don't even talk about them. So like, no matter what, like pay your taxes. God, I promise you, God will provide for you. Yeah. Like I'm 100% confident that God is a God of provision. Um, we've experienced this numerous times over the course of our life and mine and my wife's marriage. Um, like all of us, money gets tight. Uh, and time and time and time again, like God continues to provide. I mean, this is just being a bit transparent. Um, I haven't made so little money as I make now trying to plant Wellhouse Church and get it off the ground. Uh, I made more money in high school than I make now, but yet I'm happier in life than I've ever been because money is not happiness. Yeah. And I think that's so important um, because so much of the conversation around politics is about money. Yeah. And what happens is here's where we fall into a problem. And I'm, I'm leading us here because of what Paul says next in Romans 13. It's not, I don't think Paul's ignorant to what he's done. Yeah. Um, but when you start valuing money, you start undervaluing people. Yeah. And Truth. here's what Paul says in first Corinthians 13, eight. So right after he's just told us to be subject to authority and pay our taxes. And Oh, by the way, also respect people mm. and honor people. Yeah. So whoever gets in office, yeah. Honor them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's, that's the bold shout from Paul being in an honor shame culture. Yeah. And, and it's hard, um, to do, especially if it's the candidate that you don't like. Oh yeah, but but uh, why? Why is that hard? Because you've placed your identity in the party, mm. not in the kingdom. Yeah, that's why it's hard. Yeah, if if you were kingdom first, yeah, it would be as minor as you spilling coffee on your jeans. Mm. Whoever, whatever candidate gets picked, I don't care. Like it does not matter. You know me. I vote third party every time because like. That candidate don't matter. God's not surprised by who gets in office. No. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I think that this is why I bring all this up is for Romans 13, 8. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Skipping down to verse 10. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Mm. When you approach politics as a Christian, you can go to those prescriptive texts that we looked at in the past two episodes, and you can come up with some political alignment. Yeah, You're going to be able to. That's why we did it. But to another point... 
the Bible was not written to us. It's written yeah. for us. Yeah. These were specific people writing specific letters to specific people in specific places at a specific place in time yeah. that God has chosen to preserve and continue to speak to us through. But that doesn't change the fact that they are ancient documents. Yeah. We are reading someone else's mail. And so just like we will look at the book of Leviticus and go, oh, well, we can have tattoos and piercings because that's a cultural issue. So it be. No one in this entire book ever imagined democracy being a thing. So when it comes to politics, to some extent, it's limited in what it can provide to us. Yeah. But if there's one thing that transcends space and time, it's the gospel. Mm. And the gospel is love. That's right. Above all, love the Lord your God by your heart, by your soul, all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. If you can't say that when you step into that voting booth, if you can't say that the vote you're making somehow manifests love of God and love of neighbor, your voting is aligned with a party, not the kingdom of God. Mm. If, if love doesn't transcend if love doesn't win, we have failed as Christians who participate in government. Yeah. We can no longer hide behind the guise that America is God's country. Yeah. Um, if you don't know, uh, the founding fathers were something called deists. And deism is not Christianity. Their God is not your God. Uh, it is something very different. They believe radically different for them and most deists. Um, they didn't believe in supernatural acts of God. And so like the, the most famous deist is Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. He had his own, like he made his own version of the Bible at which point he cut out anything supernatural or any miracles. Oh, and they also didn't care about the Old Testament. Yeah. Um, and so what that means is, while you may not necessarily know or care what I'm saying right now, deists don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Mm. That is a miracle, as a supernatural act in time and space, and they don't believe in that. Yeah, and if you go listen to our other podcast, you will realize that that is, our other podcast, Pints of Perspectives, that is an essential part of our faith. Yes. So uh, don't don't think that America is God's country. Yeah. Like, no, you're wrong. This, found, this country is not founded on Christian ideas. No. It's founded on an idea of a higher being pluralism. Um, and it's a response to the enlightenment and modernity and, and all these things that we can get into at another time. But like, don't be masked yeah. by the idea that this is God's country. This is one of God's countries that houses some of God's people. Mm. But like, this is not the only one. This is not a supreme one. That's right. And so like, we have no affiliation to that narrative. Like I'm not buying that narrative. 
And so with that, the only thing you can do is the same thing you try to do in every element of your life as a true Christian, which is to embody the gospel and be a message of hope that Jesus would be. And so what that means is you do that through a message of love, loving God and loving your neighbor. Like that is, so when you step into the booth as a Christian, as you reconstruct your political views, like you should be looking through a lens of love. And if you see something that doesn't embody love, that's not, uh, alignment that you should have. And I want to end with this because I know it's going to come up. Loving people costs money. Yeah. You spend money, you sacrifice money on people that you love. That's right. And so if your foundational arguments for your political party, one way or the other, because they're both saying things about money, they're just saying it in different ways. But if your primary argument for your party is economic, economic gain for yourself, um, you're probably not approaching politics as a citizen of the kingdom of God. Yeah. You need to be approaching it with the mindset of people and humanity. Yes. Human beings. That is the focus and it should be the focus. How, yeah, how does my vote, how does my worldview as a Christian allow the gospel or elements of the gospel to impact the most people? Yeah. That is the question you should be asking. How does this vote, does this vote make room for more people to experience love than the other vote? Now, whichever one you end up voting for, I don't care. I'm not going to tell you how to vote. Yeah. But I do want you to ask the question, is this a vote of love Mm. or is this a vote for affiliate, like party affiliation? Yeah. That's important. Is it a vote for love or is it a vote for self? Yeah. That's important. So when we first started all this, we, we talked about the idea of being red, blue, or purple. Um, Purple being uh, the color of royalty aligned with the kingdom of God. Um, So stop right now and ask yourself, am I red, blue, or purple? And as you do that, remember that love is the driving force, right? Well, if you could sum up the color purple... In one passing statement, for God so loved the world mm. yeah. that he gave his one and only son yeah. so that whoever believes may have eternal life, may experience the kingdom of God. Yeah. Amen.